Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Catherine Gore, the president of Biosox. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. I know we're not doing this in person, but tell us where you are. What's your new normal looking like today? (laughs) (laughs) Today, I'm at home, and that is in California. Biosance is located in the Bay Area. So we began sheltering in place, I think it was on St. Patrick's Day, actually. And so I've been home uh, since then, and our whole team is working remotely. I have two little kids as well, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. So I'm, we're, we're doing school and, and all of it. <laughs> running a business and running a school, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right. So Catherine, go back a little bit. Obviously, you know, we're in a totally different place than where we were at the start of 2020. Uh, but when did you, before, you know, starting to shelter in place in California, which you guys were really kind of ahead of it, than Mm -hmm. us New Yorkers in some ways. Um, When did you first start seeing like the impacts of coronavirus or hearing murmurs that, hey, things could be different here in the U.S.? We began seeing the first signs in the beginning of January. And you remember that when the Wuhan American folks were being moved out of Wuhan, they were landing those planes in California. So that moment, I think, triggered for a lot of Californians that this was something that we were going to be facing. And it felt very real at that moment. I think the most tangible, certainly, was when the shelter in place order was put into place on May 7th or March 17th. And between that January timeframe and March 17th certainly was the time for, I think, everybody to get their heads around this new, um, this, this new virus and what might be at stake. From a business perspective, how did you kind of start to think about it with Biosance? Because, I mean, obviously, you're a brand based out in California, you're based in San Francisco, where these people were coming and and staying. Um, So how did you start seeing the impacts of um, sales and operations and manufacturing shift so quickly? Yeah, our warehouse is located in Ohio, and we that was one of the first states to do shelter in place. So we very quickly wanted to make sure first and foremost that our people were safe and really well taken care of. In addition to that, I think the DNA of Biosance is about sustainability and health and care. Our parent company is a biotechnology company in the East Bay that started uh, with funding from Bill and Melinda Gates over 10 years ago. And I think I think it's always been part of our DNA to put people first. And really, our mission is less about what our gross margin is, et cetera, et cetera, and more about how many people can we save. And the origins of Amaris, our parent company, were about uh, putting a cure in place for malaria specifically. And they're actually working on some um, elements of the corona vaccine right now. And so I think for us, we quickly went into how can we help others and what can we do to um, help this situation. So we're working on a hand sanitizer. We've donated some of our 
proceeds to charities. Um, and I think, but I think where the business impact per your question came into play was certainly when the retailers closed their doors. And, um, and at the same time, we saw a very swift lift onto the dot-coms. And it really, I think the world was already prepared for a digital focus, but we went into very much a, a digital um, only situation there. So Catherine, you said a lot, you know, so will you tell me a little bit, kind of go back a little bit, because now I think so many beauty brands or, you know, even fashion brands, lifestyle brands, like any, if you're a company, I think today, um, you're trying to communicate a self-care or a wellness sort of message as a company who's always had that as part of your positioning. How are you say tweaking or amplifying that now when there's a lot more, you know, quote unquote, self-care going on at home? First, it starts with overall skin health. So it, it, it is one level up from masking and bathing and that sort of traditional thought around self-care, which is very important and very beneficial. Your, our skin is our largest organ, and it's also our first line of defense against outside aggressors. If you have cracked, dry, breaking skin, you have inflammation, which attracts bad things, you know, whether it's dirt, debris, whatever it might be. And so our, we're actually, we think about keeping the skin itself very, very healthy. And we do that, as you know, Biosense is really well known for our marquee ingredient called squalane. Squalane is already present in our skin, and we basically um, have created a way to, through biotechnology to recreate squalane. Squalane is absolutely superior in terms of protecting the skin and getting the skin to a healthy place. So I think it's self-care then comes after that, which is an emotional connection. But this is really the roots of um, true skin health and repair. And that's sort of the the difference that I think we're we're going after. Do you think that customers now in this environment um, understand that a little bit more? That there is a difference between actual health and woo woo kind of wellness right now? Sure, I do, and I think I I truly believe that the sort of woo woo wellness is actually equally as important. However, I I do think. In some ways, it started with the food industry, with evaluating labels. Years ago, we talked calories. Now we're talking macros, fiber, all kinds of different things. And I think the consumer is just extremely wise, particularly the beauty consumer. And so you can't really fool him or her, and nor would, it, would anyone, should anyone try to. And so I think the, the power is really in their hands and their curiosity to want more information and to know more. And they're between, you know, we talk a lot about the microbiome and then, and that's connected to skin health overall. That curiosity from the consumer is going to empower her to make better choices for her skin. And as a result, she'll have healthier skin overall. And that can only set us up better in this environment and any environment um, in general. Right, right. 
and it's sustainable. <laughs> Before we get to the sustainable piece, uh, Catherine, which I know you've done a lot of work on, especially prior to coronavirus taking hold of all of our lives. Yeah. Remind me if I'm correct, but you guys started as a digital business before, you know, obviously moving into some of your bigger retailers like Sephora, which was about two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, So, you know, now going back and seeing that lift on digital, realizing that stores are closed, like what lessons from, say, 2017 are still valid in this environment when it comes to digital and what's totally been upended, right? Like the way that people are shopping is so different. Well, everything you stated is correct. Uh, We started as a digital business. It's an extremely important channel for us. It's the most sort of concentrated interpretation of the brand. Um, The brand just turned three years old. And I think I think the consumer has been moving in this direction for a long time. And what's interesting about this particular moment is that consumers go to stores to have that experience, to get that advice from a consultant or a beauty advisor or some sort of level of expertise. That has now all been shifted to digital. So you can get, I I had a video call with my dermatologist. She's still seeing patients. She's still seeing patients. Believe it or not. Yes. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. (laughs) And, and it works really well because you can see each other and you can have that interaction and you're getting expertise. And so I think as we think about the brick and mortar experience, you know, for a long time, that expertise has been shifting digitally. Um, Because we've always put digital first, I think we were we were well prepared to step up into that into that role um at the same time there is something just so beautiful about going into a store and getting to see a full assortment at one glance and really getting that emotional interaction with the expert so i think while some of that will shift there will always be a need for the true full experience Catherine, when you think about, you know, stores specifically, you know, I have to wonder, you know, I've seen obviously Sephora do an incredible job with their email marketing, their Instagram lives, you know, you're one of their pillars in the clean beauty category, Sephora clean. Um, And I'm just wondering, like, what has been working from you from the third party perspective versus maybe what's working for you on your own digital site when it comes to communications, marketing, Instagram, social it's pretty consistent across the board. What's working with retailers is working for brands, which I would put under the banner of connectedness, whether it is these one-on-one consultations that have been working really well for us. Or we just did our first masterclass last night, which was amazing with our community. Or, you know, Instagram takeovers with Sephora and some of our biggest influencers like Ami Song and Jonathan Van Ness. I think that it does feel pretty congested in terms of lives. I go on my Instagram and I see like a lineup of lives. Tons, tons. Yeah. And it's, it's really, how do you even keep up? So the content stream has just heightened in such a big way. But I think for the consumer, she knows what she likes and she can make those choices and customize exactly what she wants. If she wants a multi-branded experience, in any of these like powerhouse categories, Sephora is the place to go. If she wants a branded experience and is thinking about 
entering the clean space, which a lot of people are right now. A lot of people are making that transition right now because they're scared and, and motivated in some ways to start making better choices for themselves. She could choose a branded experience, whether it's Biosance or Youth to the People or the, the other you know slew of amazing brands that she has to choose from. So I think it's like a choose your own adventure for the client right now. When it comes to your own channels, whether it's digital or social, what do you think um, is bringing her in? Because, you know, some of it is, you know, I think with multi-brand retailers, we've seen a lot of, you know, promotions and sales. That's really been a driver um, that some brands have had to match, but also it's the education and that you can do a deep, really deep dive with a brand. Do you think that's true of your own? I do. I think we... We have an initiative called the Clean Academy, which I know you're familiar with. And I think, I truthfully believe that the consumer, she's, she and he are driven by wanting to do better for themselves and the planet. I think that's the ultimate driver. I do think skincare can be a really comforting category. It's kind of funny. You think sometimes maybe it's frivolous to be thinking about skincare during a time like this, but at the same time, it's very comforting and your skin health is hugely, hugely important. And so I think what's actually driving her is a curiosity to do better for her own skin and the planet and make better choices. Think about, think about a category like um, house cleaners right now <laughs> and disinfectants and wanting to make a more sustainable choice when given one towards cleaning, you know, your entire house and what your, what your family is running around in. And it's similar to skincare. I mean, your skin again is your largest organ. And I think that's what's motivating the consumer more than anything. Have you had to tweak or change, you know, the way that you've approached the Clean Academy? Because I know, you know, so much of that is obviously what Biosance is doing, but you've also made it really important to incorporate other brands and companies in this initiative. So will you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Philosophically, we believe that we as a brand community in skincare are stronger together than we are separately as competitors. So we do collaborate quite a lot. And I think for the Clean Academy, we're going to be shifting our focus in the next, and this is actually the first place that I'll announce that. Oh, wonderful. We love that. Because <laughs> <laughs> we are shifting our focus more towards sustainability and sustainable choices. So our last um, series of Clean Academy was about ingredients, which I think is hugely important right now. Um, but the next phase is really going to be focused around sustainability and sustainable choices. And it is a, a medley of information out there, some of which can be quite confusing to navigate. So we want to clear it up with experts and other brands and new influencers that will be coming on the scene and, and try to get some clarity around that. That will all culminate into our Clean Academy Gala which we've decided to move that date. We're still working on our new date. But um, we the reason why we're doing a Clean Academy Gala is that we are also announcing um, that we're going to be doing a scholarship program for students in sustainability. And we'll award two students with um, scholarships to support their ideas around sustainability and STEM. 
And um, we just want, you know, at that gala, we'll be, we, we will be celebrating and awarding other brands. Um, there's no question that in the, in the pursuit to, to a more sustainable beauty industry that we are, we're better as allies. And, um, and I, I, I think you know this, but, um, you know, our sway lane from Biosense, we actually sell that back to the beauty industry. So it's, yes, it's in our brand, but we also take those sustainable ingredients and we share them back with a lot of the brands in the beauty industry. So that, that's kind of how we get that connection with some of the other brands. So Catherine, I know that, you know, sustainability at the end of last year, at the end of 2019 and the beginning of this year, you know, it seemed like that was the new 40 shades in a way, you know, from a cultural standpoint and from what was being talked about in the media, on social and like, you know, basically by every influencer under the sun or celebrity. And then coronavirus happened and it seems to have really gotten lost. Now companies are talking about cost cutting and profitability and run rates and, you know, that sustainability conversation has really gotten back, gone back in the back burner. Why do you think it's still so important to remind brands and customers that it should be at the forefront right now? What you said is totally right. Cost, when cost is often one of the first lines of evaluation for any organization um, worldwide. And I don't know that we can ever unravel that. What can happen is that ingredients and sustainable methods can be provided at a cost that's actually more competitive than its non-sustainable counterpart. So if we think about squalane, it's a great example. I'll just give a quick example. Squalane historically was, squalene was harvested from deep water sharks and their livers since like the 16th century. Squalane is present in our skin and is an incredible moisturizer. Amaris, our parent company, came along and basically we're eradicating that market, which is also expensive, with a totally sustainable, we can make as much as the world needs of swaling and yet, yet not have a single imprint on the environment. And we offer it at a, at a better price than anything else. So the key for those that are actually manufacturing sustainable ingredients or boxes or um, just ideas in general, the key is to get competitive with the pricing. And then there's a desire for more people to join. And, and that I don't think will ever go away. Conversely to that, the consumer has her purchase power. And no matter the environment, why not choose a more, um, a more sustainable route? So I do think, um, I think we'll see even more um, motivation to want to move in that direction. When you think about the new customers kind of coming to Biosance, whether it's through your own site or through Sephora.com or just watching Instagram live, you know, yeah. what are, what are the through lines there? Are these, you know, people from metro areas? Are they from rural areas? Like, what do you think is attracting them to the brand in this moment? Is it, or is it just time? Sometimes adverse situations can create a shakeup, whether it's internally or externally. And I think Kind of what I was mentioning earlier, I think people are reevaluating every aspect of their life because it's an opportunity to do so, whether it be more time or wanting to just do better for themselves. In terms of our consumers and our new consumers, it's we get a lot from the coast because I think, um, you know, early adopters on the coast that sort of try these things, you know, before others, but also because 
our partnership with Jonathan Van Ness certainly expanded <laughs> awareness of the brand. And he, you know, I always say he's an incredible partner and he has this magical gift of taking complex ideas and synthesizing them into easy to understand thoughts. And I think that helped people get on board as well, because ultimately the most important aspect about clean, particularly with Biosense, is that you can actually have the best skin you've ever had. The efficacy is off the charts, proven. We have 230 scientists, 40% of which are female, and we can prove that the efficacy is um, on par, if not better in most of the cases, than it's, than it's non-sustainable counterpart. Once you get over that hurdle, that mental hurdle with the consumer, then she's in because she can have the best skin she wants. And I think Jonathan Benes helped us bridge that. It's interesting that he's, you know, obviously he's a celebrity, but he's also a male influencer. Like, is that really surprised you in the way that you think about influencer marketing, influencer strategy, like the right people to associate with the brand, especially now when, you know, community building and conversation is more important than ever. Not skin is skin. And we've never really even had that type of conversation. Our our two biggest um, influencers that we have partnerships with are Ami Song, who we dearly love as well, and Jonathan Van Ness. For us, it really is about skin health and efficacy. And those two individuals just recognize that power from the get-go, you know, and, and, and the movement in beauty towards that. So I think we never actually had a conversation about gender. It was really about the people themselves and, and the fact that they really get our brand. I mean, Jonathan Van Ness was using the brand almost two and a half years ago. Early adopter, so, truly. And I, I just, thought, what an opportunity because it's so real. You know, I know the word authentic is used a lot, (laughs) but it was, it was real. When you think about playing that forward, whether it's with content you create internally or with other influencers, like what do you see, where do you see the tides changing um, from the influencer's perspective, from the brand perspective, and then also from the consumer? I touched on this a little bit, but I really, it is the most important trigger for this particular community. And it is that um, the shift that's happening, whether it be an influencer explaining it or a consumer um, experiencing it, is that um, clean and efficacious are actually synonymous. It's that crossroad that is the trigger for most people. So we do use a lot of before and afters to show results. And like right now, you know, our number one product is a lactic acid, which is phenomenal. One of my favorite exfoliants, Um, you know, Cleopatra famously bathed in (laughs) what was it? Goat's milk and just for the lactic benefits. But this is a vegan lactic acid at 10%. Literally overnight, you see a total transformation in your skin overnight, 24 days. And it's like pure magic. And I think at the end of the day, she wants her most beautiful skin. It's really a confidence booster. And so we actually lead more with efficacy now than we even do with clean because the clean is, Oh, by the way, we're also EWG fully verified and we're totally clean. And we ban over 2000 ingredients. 
that just pleasantly surprises her after having a really good experience. So I think the shift in the influencers is that they're, they're sharing that journey with most of their communities. How are you thinking about other marketing tactics that have been like so perfected in the last, you know, five years, whether it's out of home Uh, or sampling, I mean, testers, like what's the new normal when it comes to those pieces of the pie? Honestly, I think it's a work in progress. Um, You know, that's the truthful answer. At the same time, we're, we're trying to do our best to help, um, you know, implement more hygienic um, systems. We're, we're, currently um, producing bamboo spatulas to gift with all of our orders um, so that it could be a little bit more hygienic. But also, I think um, I think we'll have to get, again, a little bit closer to textures and formula digitally um, and be able to have those be expressed in a way that you'll fully understand them digitally. And I also feel like that's where ratings and reviews come in where, you know, we're going to really be relying on each other and each other's communities to understand, you know, how a product feels, smells, um, and, and ultimately how effective it is. Um, but there's a lot of things in motion. We're looking at, um, currently we're looking at sugarcane tubes that we can possibly do sampling in that would be totally sustainable. Um, and, and just try to make the right choice. I was just going to ask you about sampling in terms of sustainability, because it seems like there are two contradictory terms, you know, passing out 200,000 samples when a product launch happens. Is that sustainable? Does that some people would argue it may not even drive conversion. So beyond like making something completely sustainable, like sugarcane or using sugarcane, are there any ways to kind of create like a more seamless flow to get there eventually as a category? It's an excellent question. And we were just discussing this yesterday as a team. Every recycling center and every recycling district has a different um, kind of manifesto for how to recycle. That, that therein lies an opportunity. So samples sometimes are just not recycled. They sort of fall through the grid, if you will. Um, The choice there is to choose materials that are sustainable, and then you sort of um, remove that aspect. So things like post-consumer recycle. So like our new sunscreen, for example, that we just launched is PCR. The other is sugarcane tubes. Sugarcane is great. Uh, All of the Biosons boxes are made out of sugarcane, so there's no trees harmed. Um, And, you know, using those tools, there's a lot of them. There's ocean plastic. And the key is just to decide because sampling is on an, is, is on another level in terms of quantities from full size. So you need to decide as a group that that's where you're going to put your effort. For, for Biosense, we're going to be zero waste by 2025. And we're moving towards a lot of those materials now. But we've also removed some types of sampling and kept it really tight. And then in terms of conversion, you have to make sure you're operating with the right channels, with the right product, and just be really fine-tuned about the strategy about where they go. You know, Catherine, a lot of other companies I've spoken to, um, they've been, you know, hearkening back to 2008 and, you know, how there was kind of a shakeup back then. And that's when you saw the whole foods of the world or the orange theories of the world really come and rise to the top. Some of the biggest companies we're seeing today. As a startup now, 
What are you thinking about like to cut through the clutter and cut through to make it to the other side of this? Yeah. Our formula expertise is by far our superpower. We, again, we have 230 scientists. We have dedicated chemists that know squalane inside and out. Squalane itself is an incredible moisturizer. If collagen is elasticity and hyaluronic acid holds moisture, squalane is actually moisture. And it's getting, it's one of the highest trending ingredients right now. So it's getting a lot of fanfare, but it should because it's incredible. And our scientists know how to formulate it unlike anything else. So I'm actually really confident that um, I'm confident in our team, you know, so much so that we sell our ingredients back to the industry. I mean, we get, we get asked that question a lot where it's, why would you give away your Intel? But, you know, I guess an analogy would be like Tesla sharing its battery Intel with the masses, you know, you don't want to hold a, a really breakthrough sustainable idea too close to your chest. And so first and foremost, I think our formulations and our product efficacy will be what, what um, sets us apart. Also, we're the only environmental working group approved brand inside of Sephora. So we are fully verified by the EWG. We'd like more brands to get on board there, but right now that's really a, um, that really sets the, the brand um, apart. And then I think, you know, I think the industry itself, particularly in skincare, is becoming more collaborative and less competitive. So maybe it's a rising tide lifts all ships. And maybe everyone can rise and grow. And even some of these bigger brands like Revlon and L'Oreal are starting to make better choices too. Do you think that that's going to be driven right now, especially by the smaller brands and by the startups, because they are the ones willing to take the risks? Well, the smaller brands are also small. It's like moving a <laughs> sailboat versus a ship. It's much easier to move a sailboat. You know, for us, we have a small team and we can be scrappy, if you will, and move very, very quickly. So we can open up a formulation in the morning and have an actual formula in our hands by the evening. Um because our labs are all there. And so I think the big guys just takes longer, but I'm really encouraged by some of the decisions they've been making lately and the choices. And there's, there's really good intentions there. And I think if you look at Unilever and Revlon and L'Oreal, they're doing great things. Last question for you, Catherine, you know, okay. you mentioned, um, it's beauty is becoming more collaborative. And obviously you're um, speaking to that yourself with the Clean Academy. But as a leader right now, how are you managing both, you know, the triage piece of this with the long-term impacts and then also just, you know, internal everyday operations? Mm. I think compassion comes first above all else. I... I think about our own team more than anything else, how to keep everybody feeling connected, safe, supported. We're keeping all of our jobs in place um, fully. And I think about, I try to put myself in other people's shoes. You know, I guess it's the golden rule. <laughs> it's just treat others as you want to be treated. I feel like that rule pretty much can can um, break through any moment, any tragedy, any adversity. 
And um, that's my job as the president. So that's that's what I have to do is take care of my people. Thank you so much, Catherine. It was great having you. Please stay self healthy and safe, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you so much for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, that means if you haven't subscribed, please hit that button.